If you like the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you listen on. Feel free to leave a nice review, too, if you like. And don't be shy about letting other people know about the show. All of these things help us out a ton, and we appreciate it very much. Now let's get to some scary stories. If you like scary stories, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories Podcast. (laughs) Sit back and relax. Keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times and enjoy the ride. The Worm My name is G. Hébert. I'm a French scientist that is part of an Antarctic research group. There are 12 of us based in an isolated research facility. I just finished murdering everybody in the group. Two days ago, we discovered several frozen prehistoric worms that were concluded to be at least 200,000 years old. The worms were approximately 18 inches in length, but rather thin. We defrosted the worms, and one of them woke up. It is a carnivorous worm, and it immediately began moving and feeding. When our entomologist, Francois Gaston, who had been studying the worm, did not show for dinner, I checked in on him. When I arrived at his lab, he and the worm were missing. I could hear water running in the restroom a few doors down from his lab, so I followed the sound. When I stepped into the restroom, I immediately noticed the running bath and I feared it may be ready to overflow. When I hurried to turn the water off, I discovered Francois. He was fully clothed but submerged in the tub. He had drowned. The worm was swimming freely in the water. I was about to pull the alarm to alert the others of the unfortunate incident when the worm stopped swimming and lifted its bulbous head out of the water as if it were looking at me. It then coiled up similar to that of a snake and somehow sprung out of the water and landed on my face. I panicked and tried to push the worm off of me, but it was too fast and wiggled across my face and into my ear. I could feel it squirming around inside my ear canal and then was doubled over in pain as I could feel it chewing through my skin and wriggling deeper into my head. All at once, the movement and pain stopped. Somehow the worm had connected with me. It was communicating with me. Dictating to me. It was my master, and I was its slave. It needed water. That's why Francois was dead in the tub. The worm had gained control of him and made him run water and lie down in it. The worm then exited his body into the water, but quickly realized this body of water was far too small. It needed a river 
or a lake, or an ocean. When the worm leaves the host's body, the host dies. That is why Francois is dead. This will be my fate as well, once I find a sufficient body of water. Although I still have full function over my body and am well aware of what is happening, I do not resist. I'm not sure why, but obviously the worm has gained control of my brain. Since I am in the middle of the Antarctic, with no feasible way of reaching a body of water on my own, the worm will have to wait longer than it would like. We are not scheduled to leave the facility for another six months. That time frame is not acceptable to the worm, but it knows through the knowledge in my brain that if an emergency were to occur, a rescue team would be dispatched. If the weather doesn't become unstable, they could arrive in less than two days. It's important that nobody know of the worm's existence. Since my entire research group was aware of the worm, they had to be eliminated. I poisoned their food and they have all expired. Their deaths will be used as the emergency that will trigger the rescue. I destroyed all of the files that acknowledge the existence of the worm. As of now, I'm the only one who knows about it. When the rescue team arrives, I'll report that my group died from food poisoning. I'll also let on that I am suffering from the same poisoning and that I need to go to a hospital immediately. They'll take me to one of the larger research bases in Antarctica, which just so happens to be near an ocean. Once I arrive, I'll emerge myself into the ocean, and the worm will be free. A little fun. When I was a freshman in high school, I had the biggest crush on the captain of the varsity football team. His name was Trent. He had dreamy blue eyes and wavy brown hair. Of course, you didn't even know I existed. I was a nerd. I always had my nose stuck in a book. I wore thick glasses and was overweight. I wasn't what most would refer to as attractive. I had no friends. Both girls and boys alike made fun of me on a regular basis. I just ignored them, but it always bothered me. One day, while I was eating lunch, all by myself as usual, I was surprised when I heard a voice behind me say, Hi there. I turned around and it was Trent. He was showing off his sparkling teeth with a cheerful smile. I was so excited that he was acknowledging me. I opened my mouth to respond to him, but no words came out. I was literally speechless. He held his sensual smile when he said, Wanna have a little fun tonight? I must have looked so stupid sitting there in shock with my mouth agape. Trent just asked me out on a date. 
I wanted to say yes. I had to say yes. But the word came out as a groan. So I just nodded my head goofily. He touched my cheek and winked at me when he said, I'll pick you up at seven. I watched him as he walked back to a table with four of his football buddies. I was expecting them all to let out loud laughs, giving away that they just pulled a joke on me. But they didn't. Could this really be legit? I got into my nicest dress, combed my hair, and waited on my front porch. Honestly, I wasn't expecting him to show, but he arrived promptly at 7. I got into his car and lost myself in his gorgeous eyes when he turned and said, Ready for a little fun? I was proud of myself when I was finally able to utter some actual words. Yes, I am. He took me to a nearby state park. The parking lot was empty because it was after dark and the park closes at dusk. I mentioned this to him and he just laughed and said something about rules being made to be broken. He then asked if I'd like to take a moonlight stroll with him. I nodded eagerly. He got out of the car, hurried around to my door and opened it for me. I wasn't sure if I was shaking because I was cold or because I was nervous, but Trent noticed. Ever the gentleman, he took his letterman jacket off and wrapped it around my shoulders. I nearly swooned when he put his arm around me and directed me toward a path. As we walked down the path, I don't remember if we talked or not. I was in a love daze. After a few minutes, we approached a picnic shelter that had an exterior fireplace. The fire was blazing and I started hearing hooting and hollering that sent shivers down my spine. His four football buddies were at the picnic shelter. They were drinking beer and goofing around. They were obviously intoxicated. Trent ushered me toward the picnic area, but I stopped in my tracks and spoke up. I thought you said you wanted to have a little fun. I do. I shook my head. I apologize, but hanging out with a bunch of your inebriated buddies doesn't sound like fun to me. Oh, that's not the fun part. I could feel my nose crinkling up in confusion. No? Then what is the fun part? His smile transformed into a mischievous grin. The gangbang. I took a few steps back. You guys are going to rape me? Trent hurried forward and grabbed me by the upper arm. Only if you make us. My advice is to lay back, relax, and enjoy it. My body drooped in disappointment. I was hoping you would be different. He arrogantly shrugged. Sorry to disappoint you. He thought for a few seconds and then recanted. On second thought, no. Actually, I'm not sorry. He pointed to a nearby picnic table. Now lay down and make this easy. I walked to the picnic table he had pointed to and sat down on it. I watched as all five boys began unfastening their pants. I guess deep down I was hoping they wouldn't go through with it, or at the very least would show some reluctance. 
but they didn't. Trent stepped up to me, dropped his pants, and attempted to shove me down onto the picnic table. I held up my hand and snapped my fingers. Trent's head exploded. His stupid buddies were frozen in terror for a few seconds, and then frantically began refastening their pants so that they could run away like cowards. With the wave of my hand, the four boys were suspended in air. Their screams filled the cool, crisp night, but there was nobody there to hear them. I elevated them well above the tree line, and then let them go. One by one, they splat on the ground like oversized water balloons. I flew home disappointed. I was really hoping for a fun night. But then it dawned on me. Actually, that was pretty fun. The Path In the mountains of the Pacific Northwest, there is a path. The path is approximately five feet across and begins in the center of an extremely dense forest. The path consists of smooth, soft, light-colored soil that some have described as being very sand-like. The path is completely void of any twigs, stones, weeds, vegetation, or growth of any kind. No videos or photos of the path exist, for cameras do not function when pointed at the path. Those who have attempted to photograph the path claim that their pictures only show a dark spot. Satellite images over the path's location display only a large black smudge. Most people who have traveled down the path have never returned. The following are the stories from the only four people in the world known to have returned after walking down the path. The Botanist I'm a botanist. In case you don't know what that means, I'm a scientist who studies plants. And for me, plants aren't just a profession, they're a passion. So often when I go on vacation, I go to places that will satisfy said passion. This particular getaway was in the deep, mountainous woods of the Pacific Northwest. I had been hiking for longer than I meant to and found myself in a lush portion of the forest. I had lost track of time due to my excitement of discovering several rare breeds of plants. That's when I came upon the path. Immediately I found myself dumbfounded as to how such a path could exist in the middle of rough terrain. This path didn't belong here. This wasn't an animal trail or anything like that. It was a legitimate path. It was about five feet wide and the dirt was so fine that it gave the appearance of sand. I bent down, picked up a handful of the mysterious dirt, and let it sift through my fingers. While it was very sand-like, it wasn't coarse like sand. It was smooth, gentle, and the path was clean of any form of debris. It wasn't natural. 
I was reluctant to travel down it, but the scientist in me had to see where it led. I began down the unusual path and was struck by how smooth the bordering forest was against the edges of the path. It was as though the forest had been sliced through to produce the path. It created a wall on each side of the path which grew increasingly dense the further I traveled. The path had many twists and turns to it, which made it impossible to see too far ahead. Finally, I reached a straight stretch, only the path didn't disappear into the distance. It seemed to stop at a large black wall. I stepped toward the wall, and it wasn't until I was approximately five feet away from it that I realized it wasn't a solid wall. It was more like a dark, billowy boundary of fog. The fog was subtly churning, but never moved beyond its border. As thick and foreboding as it was, I decided to step into the fog, assuming it would clear quickly and I could continue my journey. As I stepped into it, I felt an extremely delicate twinge of static electricity cascade over my body. And the fog was so thick, it was much like when an airplane is enveloped within clouds. I took about three steps forward and then stopped in my tracks, overwhelmed by a feeling that I was no longer alone. The feeling was so strong that I actually called out to whatever was there and my call was answered, but not in the form of an audible response, but by physical touch. It felt like thousands of tiny fingertips just barely brushing my arms. I panicked and turned to run out of the fog bank and back onto the path, but the fog was not lifting. I had only stepped a few feet into it, but found myself running for what seemed like hours. I had no way of seeing where I was going, but kept changing my direction, hoping to find my way back to the path. Suddenly, I felt like I was pushed in the back and fell forward to my hands and knees. When I lifted my head, I was back on the path, with the wall of fog behind me. I hurried down the path to its starting point. When I stepped off of the path and back onto the forest's floor, I felt as though a vast amount of weight had been lifted from my shoulders. The Survivalist My name is Scott. My buddy Christopher and I are amateur survivalists. Once a year, we spend a full week in a random area with minimal equipment and live off of the land. This time, we were in the Pacific Northwest. It was day one, and we were still getting a lay of the land when we happened upon the path. My first impression was that the path seemed out of place. It looked like a sandy path, like something one might find in the Caribbean. Our curiosity was piqued enough to see where it went. The first thing that struck me was the way it felt under my feet. Although it looked like sand, we didn't sink down into it as one might expect to on a sandy beach. It felt more like there was a thin, plush surface covering a more solid base. Then we reached the fog. It wasn't chaotic like a natural fog bank. It seemed contained. It was as if the fog had been released into a giant, transparent enclosure that did not allow it to expand beyond a certain point. 
I actually stuck my hand into the fog, thinking for a moment that it might not be penetrable. But it was. My hand slipped into the fog and I could feel energy within. It was so bizarre. I quickly withdrew my hand and began rubbing it. I looked over at Christopher, who was standing in wondrous awe at the peculiar sight before us. His eyes were wide with excitement as he said, Wow. Christopher is an adrenaline junkie who is always up for a new adventure, so I wasn't surprised when he stepped into the fog without hesitation. I opened my mouth to caution him against this move, but he was gone. I could hear him talking. His voice was filled with excitement like a child standing within an amusement park for the first time. However, I couldn't understand what he was saying. Although he had only stepped into the fog a few seconds ago, his voice was distant as though he were hundreds of feet away. His voice also had a strange reverberation to it. Then I heard him scream, and it wasn't a scream of exhilaration. It was a scream of terror. I listened on as his scream became increasingly distant as though something were whisking him away. Eventually his scream trailed off and disappeared. He was never seen again. The Cryptozoologist Cryptozoology is the study of hidden or unknown creatures. Some more notable animals in the cryptozoology world are the Loch Ness Monster, El Chupacabra, and Sasquatch, also known as Bigfoot. When I had heard the legend of the path and how many had gone missing while traveling down it, I suspected that there may be a cryptozoological explanation for this. Most believe the path to be nothing more than a myth. After all, many had set out to experience the odd path, but were never able to find it. But I found it. It was exactly as had been described, a sand-like path that literally emerged from nowhere. I walked down the path, keeping an ear out for any unusual sounds that may be that of an unknown creature, but the path was practically silent with the exception of a delicate hum in the distance. The hum led to a monolith of fog. I had no intention of fully entering the fog. This seemed to be the point where most people got lost. Instead, my plan was to partially enter the fog and see what happened. I turned sideways and stepped exactly halfway into the mysterious vapor. The fog had such a distinct border that I was able to achieve this. Half of my body was within the fog, half was still out on the clear path. If I closed my right eye and kept my left eye open, I was on the path. If I closed my left eye and opened my right eye, I could see nothing but fog. There was a definite difference in the feeling between each side of my body. My side that was still on the path felt normal. My side within the fog felt heavy and staticky. I also had a strong urge to step fully into the fog. That's when I heard the whisper. The whisper came from within the fog. Someone was whispering into my right ear. The voice said, Go back. And then I felt like I was moving against my will, like I was being pulled into the fog. It was a gravitational feeling of falling extremely slowly, but while standing upright. Then I felt a hand on my shoulder trying to push me back against that gravitational pull, and the whisper repeated, Go back. 
I heeded the warning and stepped out of the fog, back onto the path, and I ran away until I reached the shelter of the natural forest. I concluded that whatever is down that path was not of a cryptozoological nature, but rather an interdimensional one. The Physicist I'm a physicist, and I'm a believer in the possibility of other dimensions. When I began to hear the stories of the path, and that some were suggesting that it led to another dimension, I wanted to test that theory. I arrived at the entrance of the path with my two assistants. I tied a rope around my waist and had my two assistants hold the end of the rope. We kept that rope taut, so that if I experienced any trouble, I would tug on the rope and they could pull me back to safety. The assistants said that within five minutes of me walking down the path and moving out of their sight, they felt a series of chaotic jerks and tugs on the rope. They said they tried to pull me back, but they felt as though they were in a tug-of-war match with a monster. Eventually, the rope gave way and lost its weight. They pulled the rope back to them. The end of the rope appeared as if it had been chewed apart. My own experience does not coincide with theirs. I walked down the path and encountered a wall of shadowy mist. Without fear, and of pure sound mind and body, I entered the mist and trekked forward at a deliberate pace, even though my visibility was zero due to the thickness of the mist. I could hear the whisper of a voice in front of me, and although I could not make out the words that were being used, I could feel that it was beckoning me forward. That's when I noticed that I was no longer walking, yet I was still moving, as if being pulled by an unforeseen force. The force pulled me through to the other side of the fog wall. I found myself before a large spinning vortex portal. It was black in the center with whirling white edges. I had no control as I was plummeted forward into the portal. I felt myself falling as if I had been shoved over a cliff, but then the fall gradually slowed and I was floating. It was similar to that of jumping into the ocean, but I wasn't underwater. I was in space, surrounded by endless stars and galaxies. I barely had the chance to take in the miraculous sight before I found myself plummeting straight down. I could see the light below me as I zoomed toward a surface. As the surface rushed toward me, I mercifully slowed and found myself suspended above a large, futuristic-looking city that was bustling with flying vehicles. I was startled by a disembodied voice coming from above me. The voice was feminine and distinct. You aren't supposed to be here. I felt a hand latch around my wrist and was whisked away into a murky room. At the end of the room was a white elevator. As I floated toward the elevator, the doors opened and I entered. I noticed one lonely button by the elevator doors. Immediately upon pressing the button, everything around me fell dark. I woke up on the path in front of the wall of mist. I felt drained of all my energy. I was barely able to stand and stumble down the path back to my companions. We hope you enjoyed the show. 
We're dying for you to come back for more. <laughs> Visit ManiacOnTheLoose.com Sign up for our newsletter and I'll give you some free stuff. We'll see you soon. Very soon.